0: Hello and welcome to Cerebral Conversations. My name is Ben McCallery.
1: And I'm Andy McLean. And in this episode, you're going to hear the story of Eve Darcy and the amazing work that's being done regarding the early detection of cerebral palsy.
0: Last week, you heard from Professor Nadia Badawi, who is mentioned in today's episode. So you'll hear how the link happens between what Nadia's done and the many years of research that she's done regarding early intervention, and then how that is actually played out in a practical sense through the remarkable story of Eve Darcy.
1: Yeah, it's mind-blowing stuff. So we're going to talk to Eve's dad, Joe. Now, Eve was born uh, 36 weeks via emergency C-section and was later and quite quickly diagnosed with mild cerebral palsy. But it was almost the journey
0: to get there, which is possibly the most astounding birth story I've ever heard in my life. As dads, Andy, I could really empathise with the rollercoaster of emotions that joe went through in those early days
1: oh my gosh yeah uh and, and ben and i as the producers of the podcast have had the privilege of editing this episode which means we've heard it several times over and i have to say hand on heart ben every single time i hear joe talking about this i get the hairs on the back of my neck standing up and the and you know the tears in the eyes start to well up it's just it's just mind-blowing, isn't it?
0: Oh, it is. It's an extraordinary story, and we're really happy to share it with you today. Get out the Kleenex, Andy, because I think we're going to need it. We hope you enjoy this episode. Joe, wonderful to catch up with you today. Thanks for coming in. How you doing? How are you doing, guys? How are you? Very, very well. Joe, I want to take you back seven years, and I want you to talk us through those first couple of hours of... Eve's life.
2: Yeah, uh, seven years ago, it's a, it's a long time to remember trying to try and remember some stuff, but, um, look when the first, the first few hours I do have kind of vivid memories of stuff that, that happened. Um, when my wife was nearly at full term to, to have the baby and she just didn't feel right. One of the mornings she woke up and we decided to go get a scan and then the basis of that scan, they sent us straight to the hospital to say "Look, there's something not right with the baby. Um, go in for emergency c section and yeah we got to the hospital and the crew were waiting outside with the with the bed and all the nurses and we just put her on the table and wheeled her into into in to operate and and the surgeon said look I'll have the baby out in about 10 12 minutes we we'll, we'll, we'll have the baby out don't worry Evan's going to be fine um and then I was putting a little room on my own, and then I could see a, there was a clock on the wall. And I said, "Look, there's a, ten minutes came and went, and fifteen minutes came and went, and there was nothing. Couldn't hear a cry or anything. So I saw something's not right, and I only probably just thought of that. And somebody came in and said, "Yeah, look, we we, um, we we've lost uh, we've lost her." And I actually thought it was my wife at the time, thinking something happened to her because we didn't know it was a we didn't know it was a girl. And they said, "No, uh, yeah, daughter's had complications." Um, and nurse, another nurse came in to kind of comfort me, and that particular doctor had left. But then I think about ten or fifteen minutes later, she came back in and said, "Look, we have a heartbeat. We um, we are going to keep trying and keep keep pumping her uh, full of blood and adrenaline to to keep her going." Um, I remember that we that we got out of the room. Some at some point, it was it was only maybe six or seven hours later that I have a memory that I remember going down to see my daughter Eve in a, in wired all up to the machines and stuff uh, ready for, I think they were going to transport her down to Canberra uh, because there was no beds in Sydney and yeah, we got to see her anyway and and my wife was rolled in uh, in her bed and then we waited for her son to come from uh, from home to to have a look because as I said, they were going to transport her down to Canberra. Um, And within that time frame of waiting that half extra half an hour, a bed became free in the hospital and then, that journey started, then being put into the NICU, the intensive care ward, and that is that, that's the, the first few hours. I really, there's, there's, I don't remember much. being honest with you, I don't. That that's basically the story until I woke up the next day, and then I could see her in the in the in the in the ward, in the machines, and keeping her alive and stuff.
1: Just to, like, just set the scene there. Then so the so the pregnancy had been straightforward all the way up until day of the birth?
2: Perfect everything was fine up to about 36 weeks wow. and a t- textbook pregnancy as far as the doctors were concerned and my wife just didn't feel right that morning when she woke up she said there's something I don't feel good I feel drained I feel something I said well do you want to book in a scan just a local one uh, because she was due to see the doctor the next day anyway and just fortunately we were able to get one in at that time um, and then uh, yeah and then we were the the, the, the well the there was no news, actually. We didn't know anything until we got to the hospital. They just said, you've got to get to the hospital now. Doctor rang us on the way and said, look, we're going to have to do emergency section because something's not right. Um, But don't worry, you know. Um, it, So, yeah, other than that, everything was, was perfect, I think, up, up to that point. And if we hadn't have, if we got a scan like a half an hour later or earlier, you wouldn't have known the doctor. Did Did all the research. You'd never, you would never have known. It was just that timing that, for whatever reason, just came, came, came good. Because a half an hour later, we would have, she wouldn't have been born at all, um, or she would have been stillborn. And probably half an hour before, that process hadn't started of where the blood had flowed out into mum. You know.
1: So you've talked us through the first few hours of Eve's life there, uh, and you woke up the next morning tell us about the next few days and perhaps the next couple of weeks like what was that like what happened next
2: um yeah the next the next morning we got to we got to see her in the in the in the in the in the main uh ICU unit and that was where we stayed for those three three weeks anyway so every day was nearly the same after that but the first few hours obviously of seeing her the specialist came down and told us you know what was what had happened and well they didn't exactly know 100% what had happened but that she was very sick, she had no blood left in her system, lack of oxygen to the brain for 20 minutes, Um, so all these statistics came out, very kind of rigid statistics, you know, numbers and stats, Um, and all we can do is just, we wait and see. We're going to get an MRI in a couple of days, we've cooled the brain down, they were doing brain cooling at the time.
1: And in those moments, sometimes you have to have some very confronting
2: conversations and and medical professionals do too. That's right. Uh, Time frame, I don't know when that happened. It would have been after her first MRI when it showed a global brain damage. So possibly just after that, when the results came in, we got into a room with 10 or 12 other doctors and nurses and specialists and each of them went around about the scan about the mri about the e the ekgs and all that sort of stuff that they had done before um and yeah they said look it's it's unfortunately not not good because uh, the brain just it's global brain damage and that the 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 1% chance that she has of survival would um be uh, the, the quality of life just wouldn't be there and they kind of gave us a a a choice whether to just keep on the road we're going. Leave her on life support, and then just we'll kind of see what happens. So yeah, it was it was a horrible few minutes, a horrible half an hour, for maybe an hour. We we just we just went away and had a look at what what are these things that's going to happen, and and we were devastated, absolutely devastated. Um, and we just got to a point where we were walking outside the hospital in one of the grounds, and I says I can't turn off the machine. I just can't do it. Like I I really. My wife says why if we do this and we can do this and I said I can't I, phys- I just my, my, my mind I won't be able to do it and but what ha- what happens if we have this the, the worst case scenario I says well look she's my little girl well, I'm just gonna have to look after her. I'm gonna that's my job and I'm gonna make sure I'll do the best for her um, and we got back in in the room and kind of they're all waiting there uh, and, and waiting for that answer and I said look I can't I can't turn off the machine right, right now we need more time and I know the outcome won't you know, may never change, but I'm going to do the very best as a dad to 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 look after her, you know and and, and care for her. my wife. Actually, couldn't say a word. She was absolutely devastated. But I knew that the doctors had to hear some words, and that's that was the words uh, that I that I could say to them and say, look, that that's it. And they were happy with the decision. They said, that's yours, and let's let's uh, let's move forward with whatever treatment we can and keep her comfortable and and X Y Z. You know,
0: paint the picture now that you've gone in, you've made the decision. You've made the decision to not, um, you know, turn off the machines. Can you can you remember? And I, I understand that, you know, days blur into weeks, weeks into
2: months. But how? What What was the next sort of step there? We I think we asked for a couple more tests, maybe, and a second or third, maybe MRI, just to see, uh, because they were just a snapshot of the brain at that particular time, um, hoping you know something might have changed. So I think we got three, and I think on the third one. We got two or we got three, but on whatever one it was, we we, it was no different to the one that had been before. So we said, okay, well then we are on that pathway now, where we will have to turn off the the machine in a few days, you know, and that's what the doctors had said at the time. Look, but in your own time. And I said, look, my 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 our parents want to come out from Ireland to for the for the funeral. Would that be okay? You know, can we can we hold out those two or three days as it takes a long time to get here. Um, and they said, no problem. They put us into a room on our own, a separate room, uh, and, and decorated with Frozen. Uh, the movie Frozen was out or something, and Anna and Elsa were everywhere and all over the room, and they made it as, as beautiful and music, and the nurses were amazing just to to, to give us that um, support and love from them. You could feel it as soon as you walked into the room. It was like a baby's room nearly, more so than a hospital room. It was like as if, uh, as if Eve had gone home. So I think we had possibly a week to go, or maybe four or five days. Um, my parents were on the way, and then they said, "Look, we're going to do it at this particular time, three o'clock, I think it was, uh, on on the third, I think." Uh, I'm sorry, my dates are all wrong, but anyway, we had a we had a set time to 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 say goodbye. They sent a beautiful woman in, um, called Alex. She came in and took the last photos of us, the last photos of Eve, a little bit a little uh, heartfelt photography company or something that she volunteers for and she came in and and took the last few photos and last few pictures of Eve in, in the crib and then in the in, and then um eventually they turned off the machine and they handed Eve over to us we kind of me and my wife sat together and our son was there and this lovely woman Alex was just taking the last few photos of of her and that's what kind of she does for the stillborn babies and, and stuff she, she loves that sort of connection with families but um, anyway then she left the room and we had decided yeah look that was it say goodbye and uh, a funeral was planned my parents were on the way and uh, there was nothing really else to do but to kind of enjoy her without the without the pipes and the cables and all this sort of things we had all the all the uh, everything was was put away and we just held her as, as, you, as you would if it was a baby you know you're just born and Having that little, you get know, all this little thing in your arms, and we are going to get to hold her, as heartbreaking as devastating as as uh, as you know what the outcome is going to be because this is what they've predicted. You know, it's very, uh, yeah, it's very hard hard to to comprehend that you know you're not leaving out you're not going outside the door in a little pram to take her home. You know.
1: So, Joe, the family's all together.
2: You're, you've got even your
1: arms. What happened next?
2: Yeah, it was it was quite uh, quite difficult to kind of get your head around that you're, you're lying with this little this little baby here, and waiting for it to slip away because they had said it'll take a bit of time um, for the lungs to saturate or something like that that she will just stop breathing because the brain stem couldn't tell the lungs to work. That's what I was got in layman's terms uh, the information, but. We kind of didn't recognize how. Don't know how long we were there. It seemed like a, probably an hour or two hours. I don't know. But after a while, the doctor, doctors were coming in and out. And oh, she's. You can see in their looking their face like, oh, she's still here. You know that type of thing. Um, and then one particular doctor came in and he, sa- he just came over and checked her. And then he put a, a glove on uh, on his hand and, and then just uh, put his, uh, his finger in her mouth and she started sucking on his finger. And he would okay this 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 isn't right that shouldn't be happening this this i don't, I don't know and we've got to get her some food um they, i don't think the doctors knew that because knew what, what was happening they probably never saw that before that you're on the end end of end of life and next of all it's oh she's doing what we were told couldn't be done Um, so now the lungs are working and the brain stem is telling the lungs to work now we have to get her some food and and try and come out of this sort of uh, this kind of fog that we're in of of letting her go. And next of all it's oh well, she's probably gonna be all right. Oh, so that's just an amazing roller coaster to be on to tell her that one minute you, you, you're saying your goodbyes, the next minute you're celebrating that she's she's still here and and, and then the next day and the next day it's just it's just a blurring after that how it all came came from that, you know, that one little moment.
0: Can you Remember when you finally took Eve home, and what that was
2: like? Yeah, it was quite weird. Weird because we had that whole day of waiting to say goodbye, and that whole build up of the last photographs. And I knew my parents were on the flight; they were just about to land. And we had planned a funeral. We were going to have a spread of ashes over Pittwater, um, the beautiful water water feature here in North Sydney, and. So we had all these these, these things, these are the next stages of what was gonna happen the next day and the next day. Um, And then you're told, okay, she's, no, she's actually awake and she can breathe for herself. I think the next day they got a hearing test and a sight test and she could see and she could hear. And we were like, this is, they were calling her a miracle, like whatever what miracles are, but a living miracle is that this is what they were calling her, the nurses were calling her um Miracle Eve and it was like yeah it was so so crazy you're having these dark dark moments and next of all oh well she's going to be okay and you think how do you how do you how do you come out of that four days later we're home like how do you come out like on a Monday and then on Thursday you're home in your own house in 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 uh and your your mom and dad are now there and they're you know uh got balloons everywhere over the house um it was a very weird moment. Such a traumatic experience for such a long time, Joe.
0: I mean, you think about those early days and then the days turned into weeks. Where does the strength come from? Where, where What did you rely on most during
2: those, those sort of early days and weeks? And initially when they had come in and said, look, we had lost her, I had that 15 minutes to think about that. Um, and then I didn't, when they came back and said, oh, look, we're going to keep working. Everything from that point on for me was a bonus that I didn't have to tell my wife when she woke up that we had a girl. First of all, her name would have been Eve, and 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 she didn't make it, you know. So when they said, "Look, she's alive," we have her on the machine. I, you know, I could I could get through get through something with my wife to see her, and then and 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 everything from it was a bonus, you know. Even though the MRI came back negative and all the other tests. But the fact that I got to hang out with her every day for as long as that was going to be, time was very, li- we knew time was going to be limited. That was, that kind of kept me going. Because after about, uh, it was coming up for my birthday. So she was born on the on the 4th and my birthday is on the 7th. So it was a few days later and they were, for my birthday present, the nurses allowed me to have her on my chest. And these little kangaroo cuddles, I learned what they were called later on. And they were able to get all the wires and all the pipes around me and I was wrapped up in all this stuff. And she was they were able to give me this little um this little thing. I was able to just have her on my chest like like a normal if you took your baby home from hospital normally, you would be able to do all that stuff. But, so I got to hold her. For, I was the first one to hold her. My wife, she's still ups, upset with me because of that. Uh, because it was my birthday. I'm allowed that, you know. Uh, Eve has taken over my birthday since then. My birthday's gone. It's always Eve's birthday week. Uh, but, yeah, I think having, having those little cuddles, and I, I had her for probably two or three hours just on me. Um, and I knew that that was going to happen every day. So they said, look, we can do it again tomorrow. And if, that, if that's what you want. So I knew every day. I was able to hold her, and then my wife. So I'm talking five, six, seven hours. We would just, I would just sing to her, and talk to her, and read to her, and she was just there on me the whole time. And then my wife would come in, and she take, she'd be sitting in a different chair, and she'd come over, and then we'd swap over. And I think that bond, or love, or strength from her, I think this poor little thing that I felt so helpless for, was able to give me such. Love and joy that, that she didn't even realize at the time, you know, even even though it was the worst case and worst case, you know, you were still able to find something of if that's all I got, you know, just just to hold her for the next day or the next day until we turn off the machine. Yeah, the, the strength, you just find it. I think you just find it no matter whether you're, uh, whether you're a par- parent, you know, whether it's the first time you've got three or four kids, whatever, that, that, that instinct just comes. Naturally, I think to most people, um, the protective instinct to 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 do whatever you can to help your children, or help yourself, or help your partner, or whatever it is to to get through it. I have to say, Ben, like speaking as
1: a father, as soon as you talked about those kangaroo cuddles, I was like, oh yeah. Like as soon as you said that, I just I was just like, yeah, of course. Whether you hadn't, there wasn't a decision to make, was there? Because as soon as you have that, like yeah, that's that enough. Is, that is, is enough.
0: Yeah. Is just. is is everything because my daughter was in um, Nick's unit for a a period of time and, yeah, the memories have just came flooding back as I held her before my wife did, you know, and, yeah, just having that touch. I also changed the nappy before my wife did, so I got that going (laughs) for me as well. (laughs) So, Joe, it's wonderful that Eve survived, but you you knew there would be likely to be some challenges ahead because of the MRIs.
2: After finding out that the uh, well having ha- having this in our minds that she was gonna have something wrong with her because of the lack of oxygen to the brain, we obviously start doing research into all the difficulties that children have with with with, with, uh, with brain damage. So and the, I, I might go back in time if I can for a second because in that first few days again I've, I just overlooked it. In the first few days when we heard the word cerebral palsy, my wife had done some re- was doing the research on it. And she found um, a woman called Nadia Badawi, who was the head of research for the CPA and reached out to her on an email and said, look, my just been born and gave her the whole story. And um, again, I, c- I can't remember the exact words, but it, basically Nadia was so supportive at that stage to come back and say, look, we hope everything's going to be fine Um, let us know how everything goes and Um, Everything works out. Please get in touch, and 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 which and and which we did when, you know, uh, we were able to take Eve home. Then when she when she woke up and she could, uh, you know, in the hospital we could take her home. Then and then in in the week I think later we we reached back out to this lovely woman called Nadia, Um, and she was she said, look, we're just starting this research. I think they were only a few months into it, where they were doing this early intervention um, type program, and would we want to be part of it? mind if i come out to the house and have a chat with you guys so um herself and another lovely lady iona novak she came out as well and went through what the cerebral palsy is explained it to us and the facilities we have and how amazing people can be you know with this um injury um so a lot of positivity uh there was a downside that if we went and got the you know the the early intervention and we found out very early (laughs) on that you you have a a baby now with cerebral palsy that you kind of lose that parenting uh the joy of the joy of having a baby because now you're in focus of therapies and focus on trying to get her better um so yeah i think at the time she was uh at 15 weeks i had to take a video of eve a 15 minute video and then send it off and then wait for the results basically that's and see what happens after that you know um so when we I think a week or so went by, or two weeks. Or came back and said, "Yeah, look, uh, Eve has cerebral palsy. We don't know how mild or how aggressive it's going to be, but we have these things in place. Let's let's get you let's get you on these programs." What kind of cerebral palsy does Eve have? Well, I, we're very fortunate that with the, with the lack of, I think, like twenty minutes or seventy minutes or something, with no blood or no nothing to the brain, she's quite mild in a in a sense of. Uh, the severity, um, and it mostly affects her her left the the left leg, left foot, and all her muscle muscles are all tight on that side, um, and she kind of walks walks with it with a kind of off gait kind of um, angle. Um, so it's quite it is we are for like you you look at the brain injury and you look at the whole package of the whole story, and you say like how is this little thing just come out that she's you know she's she's um. Not as severe as you thought initially, but I do believe, uh, yeah. Looking looking back now, seven years, seven years on, you see what she's able to do now. But back then, you you put it down to all the therapies that were in place to get her to that point. You know, so yes, yeah, she is mild in the in the legs, um, and obviously the brain. She's probably you know, six to eight, maybe ten months behind the normal, uh, seven year old, in cognitive side cognitive side, but it's still. To us, it's, uh, it's still it's still mild, you know. Uh,
0: just going back to that early diagnosis that you received, so how did that make you feel? I know you said that it's almost like a double-edged sword, but how important do you think it was for Eve
2: to have that early diagnosis? Um, yeah, we always go back to, we always think back to if if that wasn't there, if we didn't get that early ex- diagnosis, um what would what would she be like now? Um, what what would have happened if it was a year later? Or at the, I think at the time we were we were told that most children that who might have cerebral palsy or have had injuries at birth, they don't usually find out for a year, maybe fourteen fifteen months, maybe up to two years of age. They haven't reached milestones that normal kids are are, are reaching. So we were quite shocked at that, and to have have this system in place where you had an idea. Uh, of uh, yes, yeah, she she has it, but we're gonna work on it. We're gonna keep. This is all we're gonna do. It was an absolute gift. It was just an absolute gift. We were able to focus on on the needs where she was at that particular time. So twenty weeks in, okay, we couldn't really do much, but hydrotherapy was there, and the music. We did some music therapy and um early early intervention that way. And then that led to well, she's getting stronger, and just, then physio is needed now. And then she was, oh, well, she's saying a few words, and then speech, and then occupation therapy, and, and then there was massage therapy, and there was so there was six, six or seven things every every week on at that stage to to keep her going. I don't believe, sorry, I do believe that there's no way. I look at her doing all her her stuff that she does now every week. That if you. If we didn't have that early diagnosis, you didn't have the intervention, or even the planning, or in your for, for as a dad, even as you're planning, um, it's, it's an unknown journey. And but yeah, you've someone there or a team of people. We had four, four or five people around us. This is what we're gonna do. This is the plan. This is where she is now. In six months, eight months, ten months, all the way through till two, three, four. We had a plan, and having all those strategies and help and the knowledge. Um, there's no way Eve would be where she is today, absolutely without them, without that that start, the amazing start in life she got. Eve's now seven years old. Is that right? That's right. She's. Uh, it's the total opposite of where we had come from. It's the total opposite of four weeks later, we're walking out of the hospital with this little baby. Heading home to my, to my dad who's in a black suit for the whole week thinking he's going to a funeral. Uh, and, and he has all the balloons and ribbons all over the house as we get in. And my mum had my favourite shepherd's pie made for me. And so the contrast of that particular day getting home to seven years later. And in her basic, her, her average week, she's got her nippers on, which is the life-saving thing on a Saturday. She's got swimming on a Sunday. She's also got soccer on a Saturday. She does karate on a Thursday, tennis on a Tuesday. She plays drums every day with dad, Um, music mad, you know, on a skateboard in the skate park, on her bike in the skate park, scooter, netball and basketball. So I've got to bring all these things in the van and she's just all over these sports. Every day she wakes up and there's no word of a lie. two things happen every morning she wakes up. The first one or second one depends, is her sports today. That's every day she asks that. Is sports on today in school? And where's mum? So now I'm the dad and I've been caring her for for seven years, seven days a week. She still asks where mum is. And she will go to mum every morning as if she hadn't seen mum for years. Exactly the same. Hugs, kisses. Doesn't come near me on my side of the bed. Goes straight over to mum. And just it's it's a total opposite for me. She doesn't want to know me, even though she knows I'm with her every day, most of the days anyway. Um, so the contrast is amazing. If you look at this day, is, and this is absolute truth, I'm at the skate park with her. And as I said, I have to bring the netball, the basketball, the bike, the scooter and the skateboard. And she will not leave the house until all those things are in the van. And then we go out and she's skipping from one to the next. And she just does a whole circuit thing. And I'm looking at her there. And you would look at her and you would never know, if you didn't know know her, you'd never know she had cerebral palsy. You would just think she's a normal child in a normal playground, doing normal things with, with everyone else. You look closely and you see her legs and the way she's kind of moving. If you look really closely, you'll see that, yeah, she's not something not right. But so th- those moments are just magic to me. And I, I've never taken anything for granted. It's just...
0: There's obviously no doubting Eve, is where she is because of how proactive you guys were particularly in the early days seeking out you know expert
1: advice from dr nadia i'm glad to say that we're going to do a follow-up episode with nadia where we get to hear her side of the story um, on that so uh so listen out for that soon other than being really proactive
0: in your communication and, and wanting to find more information what other advice
2: would you have for, for parents maybe going through something similar? The, the advice would be, yes, to to look and to look for the help and to ask questions and, and reach out to those people in who are the specialists in the field to, to get the best help or the best map anyway of where you might want to be in a few years' time. Yeah, seek out the advice, seek out the help, but at the same time, like, you understand that it is a massive emotional journey, not just a physical. From from a cerebral palsy point of view, where it can be a physical journey, uh, you, you you um yeah, you just need to listen to yourself and uh, not so much having faith, but it's like to believe that things can change. Um, you can you can have the worst, absolute worst case scenario, and things can work out and may have amazing outcomes. So other than the Paralympics in 2034, what's next for Eve? Oh, what's next for Eve? What's your dreams and hopes for Eve? Wow. Um, school School at the moment is probably the biggest uh, challenge we're having is at the school. She's in a mainstream school, which is fantastic. She has an amazing group of friends and she's so... Looked after and spoiled in the classroom from teachers and assistant teachers and all the the help we get from the school. So the main focus at the moment is actually, funny enough, not her physical physical side, which is where it, it all began. That the physicality might not be there to to do what a normal uh, child does in their in their in their life. But th- yeah, getting her more motivated to, in school and um, is is the main challenge at the moment and the main focus of what we're doing now. Um, because down, yeah, down the road, like I want, I'd love to go to, to have a, go to proper high school and, you know, go to university and uh, or whatever. Like, the, the, I think everybody wants that for their kids. You know, you, you you both are dads. You know, you want the best for them, and you can see this journey that they're gonna go, go on and hopefully not make the same mistakes you guys or we all make at some point of of roadways but uh, pathways to take. But yeah, I. I Apart from the Paralympics, I I, I think she's still going to go to sport. I mean, she's just going to be sport mad. Uh, you know, I would, yeah. Uh, you, one of my proudest moments, I think, will be, and it's very personal because I am a mountain biker, as you know, uh, is to go mountain biking with her someday, you know. I've got to get her training wheels off the bike for us at the moment. She screams all the time when I take one off, you know, but she she gets there. She she'll get there eventually. So I think down the road to be to come down a mountain with her on a, on a bike. That's kind of my biggest selfishly selfish goal. But, uh, you know, that's what I'm going to come for when she's when she's a little older. You know, um, my mom always said, God rest her. You know, my mum said that that few weeks they stayed around for five weeks, you know, to to help us out. Uh, with Eve and that initial, initial, uh, um, just the, the start of the journey, um, and I remember, um, oh yeah, she's she's gonna be amazing. She's she's destined for great things. She's she she's you know, my granddaughter. You know, of course, she's very proud. And even though she's got about twenty granddaughters and grandchildren at home, it was Eve. You know, and this is the Australian grandchild. You know, anyway, she said, "Well, what, where, where's the name come from?" I said, "Oh, that that's a." Uh, 20 years ago since I met my wife was it that Eve was always going to be the name of the of, of a baby you know, going to be a girl oh no but where does it come from I said oh, I think it's Adam and Eve or Bible or something like that oh no let me check on my new phone that my favourite son had just bought her because I have the favourite son not really but um, <laughs> and she uh, she looks it up on the phone she goes oh Eve it means life or living and I just burst and I bawled I absolutely buckled I couldn't believe a name of all the things she'd been through for the start and this name meant life or living I was like blew me away and I still think about that when I see her running around or on the beach or a nippers trying to dive into the surfer on her bodyboard in the beach and she's see, to life or live you know she's she's full of that she's absolutely full of life and, and I'm so ha- so happy we're, you know we've come to this point in her life you know so Joe from two dads to
0: another I just want to honor you for your courage commitment and just love for your family it's um it's been a real pleasure to talk to you today
2: thank you Bruce. very nice to say thanks very much thank yeah. you thanks guys thanks very much
0: you've been listening to cerebral
1: conversations a podcast produced by cerebral palsy alliance to learn more check out the show notes to this episode over at cerebral palsy.org.au forward slash Cerebral Conversations. And if you enjoyed the show, please rate or review
0: on your favourite podcast platform.
1: And to join the conversation, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening. The music for this podcast was kindly supplied by Ocean Alley. Check out the band's music on Bandcamp or visit oceanalley.com.au